working through the book, uh, the 10 second rule and, um, uh, really, you know, reflecting, hopefully you're really engaging in it. I've heard some, I've heard some very powerful, uh, snippets of, of how you've been experiencing it and, and encountering, encountering that book and some of the things that's taken place within your life because you've been reading it and it's really stimulated your thinking and really has grabbed a hold of your, um, your thoughts and, and, and is really impacting, impacting your spiritual life in a, in a powerful way. I, I really want to thank Scott Stalker, uh, for, for speaking last week. Um, I listened to him and I, uh, on the podcast and thought, wow, this, he just, I really love Scott and Pat. Pat, wherever Pat went, Pat's gone. He disappeared. So anyhow, uh, whenever they speak, I think it just gives a, fr- a different perspective, a fresh, you know, another voice to what we're talking about. And so I just want to thank those guys for for uh, speaking and filling in and giving us all a, a different perspective of, of God's word. How many of you um, have ever heard the show Life Below Zero? Anybody? Some of you? How many of you, do you guys watch it regularly? Or I just stumbled onto this show called Life uh, below zero on Netflix. And it's just really drawing me in. And what it is that they follow, it's kind of like a, a documentary, I guess, or whatever, but they follow this family, these, these different families or different people in Alaska, like uh, what, three or four different people, uh, in Alaska and some of the different locations, but they live above the Arctic circle. Uh, and it's just, I, I watch it and I'm like, how could anybody live in that type of, I mean, I gripe about Michigan, uh, winter, you know, and I'm like, how in the world could anybody live that way? You know, and, and it's just it, it keeps drawing me in. I mean, I'm just like, I'm just. It's kind of like looking at a car wreck. You know, you know, you don't want to look, but it's like I got to look. You know, and and it just kind of grabs you. And so I've been watching this, and um, and it just I I just really enjoy it. You know, and, and as I'm watching it, the first my first reaction was just what I told you. It's like, how could anybody live that way? I mean, it's like. Their summers are extremely short, and all they're doing during summer is preparing for winter, which is extremely long, right? And it's like, and then it becomes this thing where you're watching it, and it's like, all they're doing is living. That's all they're doing. I get we're living too, but I mean, it's like they're living. That's it. It's like they get up. It's like they've got to make sure they've got food, shelter, and clothing. I mean, really, that's what they do. And it's like they, 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 they hunt, they trap, they fish. They, uh, they're constantly cutting firewood. They're constantly preparing for things. But it's just really the sustenance living, you know, if you're familiar with that. Um, and it's just, it just kind of boggles my mind, uh, that people live like that, right? And I'm watching it, and one of the guys says this. He says, you know what? I, there's no, I would much rather live out here in this than be in a cubicle working nine to five. That's what he said, you know, so, and some of the others are the same way. And so, they're, you know, they're, 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 it's just very interesting. After I've been watching it for a while, my attention has shifted or my thought process has shifted from this is kind of amazing how people could live this way to this. I'm soft. Like if something ever goes down, my family's probably dying, right? In fact, they might kill me and eat me first, right? That's before I kill them and eat them first, but it's like, I'm like, I mean, I know how to hunt. I can do that, right? I'm not so sure I could live that way, though. You know, I enjoy hunting. I enjoy fishing and doing those things, but I'm not so sure if my life literally depended upon it, it would be, man, I'm thinking that would be hard. So now I'm in this phase of, man, my life is kind of 
I'm not so sure what's going on in my life, you know. Uh, and, and then it's trans, it, it, then it's kind of a transition into, into, uh, this thought process of, I've got a lot of stuff in my life that I don't need. I'm living for a lot of things. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of stuff. Junk. I've got a lot of things in my life that really I don't need, but yet I'm paying for, or I've paid for, and you start looking around, you start doing the math, and you're like, holy cow, have I paid for these things. And, and I'm not even really, it, my life really doesn't depend upon it, right? It, there are things that my life does not, it, my life doesn't depend upon these things that I've spent money on, a lot of money on, and I have them or whatever. And, and, and then we just got all this other clutter, and I think my wife's getting really, I think she's gonna ban me from watching this show because I'm like, I'm like looking around like, we've got clutter in this house. I mean, that's all, you know, it's just clutter. We don't need this stuff. How does this apply to the message? I'm glad you asked. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Man. Maybe you've been through the process too. Maybe you've been, I would like to think that the Word of God gets me to the point where I really think that way, but I think God uses various things to get my attention. And, and this show was one, and I'm not promoting this show, I'm just saying, I think God broke through my thought process, broke through uh, some things to make me start thinking about things. And I started really thinking about it, and it's really kind of, it trickles back down to even my spiritual life, more so my spiritual life, because if I'm off over here thinking about these things, you know, my life is about acquiring this, 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 or this. I'm wrapped up in this. This is my priority. These are my hobbies, blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. When, when you take them all and put them together, and you're like, my life, my, I could, my life doesn't depend upon these things, so why are they even in my life? And as I'm reading the 10-second rule, and I'm reading Scripture, I'm thinking, what is going on with my life? And in Colossians 3, and if you're reading the 10-second rule, which I really hope you do, it's not the Word of God, but it's another guy's perspective to get our attention about something, and God uses it. And He's certainly used it in my life. And I'm reading it, and, and if, you're, if you're caught up on your reading, really what, what we're kind of in right now is living in this sense of having a predetermination about something. You've already made a decision about something. You've already made this decision and you're living your life based upon this decision. And you're living your life to where even if something happens or if it hasn't happened, you've already made the decision. We talked about this a few months ago when we, when we talked about the life of Daniel and we talked about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that story? And remember how these three were brought to the king Nebuchadnezzar because they wouldn't bow down to his idol when, when the music started playing and all this stuff started happening and they were supposed to bow down before the idol? They had already made the decision if that would ever take place, they were not going to do it. So they didn't do it, and they were brought in to the king, and the king says, what's up? Why are you not doing this? And they're like, you're not our God. You're not our God. We're not going to bow down before you. In fact, even if you take our lives, we believe God will spare us, but even if if God doesn't and you take our lives, we will not bow down before you. These three guys made a decision early on in their life that said, I'm not bowing down to idols. We are not going to bow down to things other than the living God. That's it. And so when it happened within their life, when it came up, there wasn't this, hey, let's go back here and let's talk about this. Let's pray about it. Let's try to figure this thing out. It it was already done. It was a foregone conclusion. It's done. We've already made this decision. That's kind of where we're at in kind of in the book, in this chapter. It says, we've already made this determination. My question is this. As I start thinking about that, 
How do you get your mind set on that? And keep it set on that. Right? Because there's a lot of things, and that goes back to what I was talking about with my life. There's a lot of things that clutter my life. Apparently, my, you know, I, I, I've got my scatter, I've got a scattered mind or something because it's not all laser focused because, you know, I've got, I, there's this clutter that kind of indicates that, if you will. And so I started thinking about it and I, and I, and I went to, I went to Colossians chapter three. And Paul's writing about this. He's writing about it from the perspective, if you, if you read Colossians, he's, he's, he's talking to these people that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They 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 believe in them. They made the, they made the decision to follow Jesus, and so, so he, now he's engaging with them because something's happened. They've kind of gone off the path. Now they're starting to follow some other things, some other heresies, some other thoughts, philosophies of the world, in which he talks about in this letter to Coloss to the to the to the Christians in Coloss. And so he's writing to them, and in chapter two he's talking about these things, and he's saying, you know, to these people they're buying into that they're being deceived from from the world, from some of the things that they're being inundated with, the philosophies. And Paul's saying, I get that that this looks like it's wise, I get that this looks like it's truth, but it's not. It's false. These things are false. You can't fall into it. You can't worship angels. You can't worship all these other things. You this isn't this isn't the truth. And then in chapter 3, he makes this statement, which really grabbed my attention. That's why I wanted to go back to Colossians. Because in chapter 3, he says this. If you have been raised in Christ. And I want to go to a, uh, I want to, I want to go to the NIV text. Because I like, I like how the NIV says it. He says this. Since then, since, comma. That's big. That comma's big. Since. Since what? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's a powerful statement. He's saying, wait a second. Check mark. Hold up. Red flag. What's going on? You have been raised with Jesus Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. And he says this. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, set your minds, set your hearts on things above, Put to death, in verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Get your mind off the earth's earthly things, the temporary things. Don't focus on those things. Set your mind, set your heart on Christ, on things that are above. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. What are those things? Sexual immorality. Sexual, or, sexual immorality. Impurity. Lust evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways. This was your life. You used to walk in these ways um, in the the life that you once lived. And in verse 8, he says this, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. 
since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That's powerful, as all the Word of God is. But that's extremely powerful. My question is, how do you do that, Paul? Because that's very powerful. Paul's saying, hey, you're raised in Christ now, right? You've placed your faith and trust in Christ. You've made a decision to follow Christ. You've accepted the free gift of grace and salvation of Jesus Christ. Now, since that has happened... You need to get your mind off the earthly things and place the, place your mind and your heart on things that are above, on Christ and things that are above. Rid yourself. Get rid of the things that are not right. Get rid of the things that are in conflict of that. Get rid of those things that, that's not part of that life. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust. You know. And then he goes on to talk about anger and malice and all those things. My question is this. I, I believe that. I believe 100% what Paul's saying there. My question is, living in this human shell, that's a fight, right? On a daily basis. If we would just, if we would just be very honest, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. And we're going to face that struggle on a daily basis until we see Jesus Christ and receive a new body where we don't have to deal with this sin nature. Paul himself writes in Romans, I believe in chapter 7, he says this, I know the things I should do, but, but a lot of times I don't even do those things. The things I know that I shouldn't do, those are the things I gravitate towards. And he says, who's going to save me? Praise God, it's Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul recognized that this is a struggle, that this is a constant battle. And I believe that's why he's saying, if you're going to fight this battle, you've got to fight it by setting your heart and setting your mind on Christ and the things above. Now, my question is, how do I do that, Paul? Because I believe you 100%. And I also, when I read that, it indicates to me that there's, that there's a little bit of hu human involvement here, too. It's not just me accepting the free gift of grace and salvation from Jesus Christ and saying, okay, I'm done until he comes. In fact, read Thessalonians. Paul writes about that. The point is, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're not done. We're following Him. We have to have this predetermined mindset that says, I'm either following Christ or I'm not following Christ. I'm either going to focus on the things above or I'm going to stay focused on the earthly things. I get that it's a struggle. We can put that on the side now, right? We can put that on the side. I know there's not superhumans in here. I'm not saying that you're going to, you're going to attain to excellence. What I am saying is this. How are you doing in setting your mind and your hearts on the things of Christ and things above? How are you doing with the things that creep up in your life? The human nature that creeps up in your life? The things that are earthly? The things that want to grab your attention? The things that want to, to get you to clutter your life like I was talking? The things that really don't matter about life in general, but things that can come in, creep in, and clutter our lives? How many of you are great, great at organizing your priorities to where God is still number one in your life. And you don't sacrifice the reading of the Word. You don't sacrifice your prayer life. You don't sacrifice leading your kids down the right path. You don't sacrifice any of that. You're able to manage it completely perfectly. Or are you like one of the other Americans probably sitting in here where we struggle with that at times? And our priorities get all out of whack. 
And truth be known, we're focusing more on earthly things than we are on the things of Christ and things above. Three questions I would have is this. Number one, how do I set my mind? In, in, in verses 1 and 2, again, he says this. He says, set your mind, set your hearts on the things above. And again, as I shared with you, I think there's human involvement there too. Certainly, it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about the Holy Spirit living in, living in uh, unity, living in harmony, living in submission to the Holy Spirit. But there's that point to where I have to make a decision. Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit have that freedom within my life? Am I going to be a person that's going to be spirit-led? Or is it about me? Is it about Gail? Is it about you in your life? Is it about you determining the, the course of your life? Or is it about the Spirit of God communicating with you, guiding you, directing you, leading you down the path, leading you in the way that God wants to take you? How do I set my, how do we set our minds? How, because here's the thing, when we talk about minds and hearts, we're talking about thoughts and affections, right? We're talking about, you know, with our minds, we're talking about things that we think. We're talking about the things we think. There are things that if you and I would sit down, we, we, we would agree on certain things. We'd probably disagree on certain things, and that's okay on certain things. When it comes to the Word of God, it's a little bit different story, right? But, but, but there's things that we would say, well, I don't, I'm not so sure I, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I'm kind of this, in this camp or whatever. But what are the things that fills your mind? What are the things that you set your mind on? What are the things that you think? Is it okay for this to take place within your life? Is this okay for you in your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ for you to entertain this? For you to do this? Is that okay? And then you have that part where our passion comes in, our hearts. We're full of passion. We become passionate about things. Sit down with someone and talk about religion or politics or some of those things and you'll discover passion really quick, right? Passion. We become passionate about things. Don't tell me what to feel. Don't tell me how I should feel about this. This is what I'm passionate about. And it comes out. It spills out. What's humorous to me is when someone will kind of work, there's a dichotomy there where they'll say, well, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about uh, pick something, whatever it is, but it's not present within their life. The way they act, you can t- there's no passion behind it whatsoever, yet they're wanting to communicate to you that you're passionate about it. But yet over here, this is what they're truly passionate about. Next time you're at a funeral, pay close attention. Because you'll find out very quickly what that person was passionate about. It comes out. Their life is centered on what you're passionate about. And there's been some funerals where I've sat and I've been a part of uh, just observing, thinking, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm devaluing or, 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 or trying to put down, um, you know, the deceased or anything like that. But I truly pray that when I lay there someday, that people will talk about my passion for Jesus. And that may sound cheesy to you, but I pray that's what it is. Because I want to tell you something. I'm not so sure there's any... I'm positive in my, from my belief. There's nothing else that trumps that. I don't want people talking about how passionate I was about Harleys. I don't want people talking about how passionate I was where that came through. Whereas all along I'm saying, well, I'm really passionate about Jesus, but yet everybody else is observing something else. What are you passionate about? Because that's an indicator of what your mind, your heart is set on. Your affections, your thoughts will always come out. And Paul says, 
You need to set those things. How do we set them? We set them on the things of Jesus, of things that are above. What does that mean? You know, we set our heart on things above. We set our minds on things above. It means that you and I start to think about life the way God thinks about life. It means we begin to see life the way God sees life. It means when we start looking out, we see things, we see mankind, we see the world, we have a Christ-centered worldview where we see things, we begin to see things through the eyes of Jesus. And that's something that's, that, that, that's something that's hard to do. That's something where you have to stay in that mode. You have to pray about it. You have to stay consciously in that mode where you're able to view things the way God views things. The things that stirs the heart of God stirs your hearts. The things, that's the, the, the things that really gets that God, that makes God passionate, that's what you become passionate about. You're, you recognize, you know, when it says that, when Paul says, set your mind and your hearts on Christ and the things above, does that mean like just the heavens? Does that mean the clouds? Does that mean light? What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. It means that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the, from the grave, meaning that death was conquered. Meaning that He has all right to sit. He has all right and authority to sit at the right hand of the Father. Focus on that. That means that He has authority, like we talked on Easter, He has authority over our lives. He has authority over life and death. He has authority over all things, but, but He has authority over me. Meaning that what my life is His. Would your life be coined as that? Could you, could, you know, is your, is your mind and your heart set on the things of God where, where Christ is seated? So when you set your minds on those things, it reminds us no matter what happens, when we have our hearts and our minds set on Christ and the things above, it means whatever happens in this temporary, this temporary world right now, whatever happens, it means that we know 100% that Jesus Christ is still in control. We talk about it, but do we believe it? We talk about it, but do we build our lives on that truth? We're great at doing lip service. But when it comes to that action, having our hearts and our minds set on Jesus, do we really? Or do you look out across your life like I was talking about when I'm watching Life Below Zero and I see a lot of clutter. I see a lot of things pointing to things that really don't matter. And I pray that your heart is predetermined to follow Jesus. That your heart is about making that commitment to follow Jesus regardless of where He takes you and you believe that He has that authority. Here are some things that can help. Typical things, you can name them. I mean, typical, I, so typical that I believe we just lose sight of them. Each day, we need to get up thinking about God. You know how important it is to get up? And we've been told, I've been told this, I don't know how many times in my life, one of the first things you need to think about is God when you get out of bed. Because what does it do? It literally sets the tone for the rest of the day. There are some, if you're like me, there are some days when the alarm goes off and it's like you're so disoriented and you want to destroy your phone or whatever you use as an alarm because you're not ready to get up, right? I don't know about you, but there's that time. You ever notice how like, 10 minutes before you have to get up is the best rim stage you could ever enter into? 
I mean, it's like you're there. The bed, everything, it just culminates to this perfect sweet spot. And it's like, you got to get up. I don't understand that. I don't even know why I'm telling you that. But it's it happened. But my point is this. Do you ever think about when you get out of bed, if the first thing you can start thinking about is God and the things of God and who God is, that it literally sets the tone for the day? Look at it this way. You get out of bed, the first thing that happens is you have a fight with your wife. How do you feel the rest of the day? That's an awesome day, isn't it? That's a great day. Or you're fighting with your kids, or you're fighting with something, and it just sets the whole day on edge. Starting the day with God in mind. Praying throughout the day. That, that God would continue to give you this heavenly perspective to see people, to see life, to see things the way He sees things. Making God's Word part of our every day. Spending time with people around us that believe the same way, that not just, that, that really believe and are doing exactly these things versus people that just talk about it and kind of derail us or distract us to a certain degree. Those things will help us keep our minds and our hearts set on uh, set on Christ and the things above. Keeping our minds set on uh, following Him. Uh, the second one is this. How do I, from this passage, how do I see myself dead or alive? Because in verse 3 or 4, he says this, you've died. You've died. I wonder how many, if we would just stop right there, how many of us in here, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us in here truly believe that and truly understand that and truly have died. You've died. Remember in Luke 9, we were talking about this whole series. We're calling it DCF, deny, carry, follow. Deny yourself, carry your, pick up your, carry your cross and follow me. I wonder how many of us truly spent, truly grab a hold of that and understand I'm dead. What are we dead to? I'm dead to my former way of living. I'm dead to the things that I used to be passionate about. I'm dead to the things that aren't of Christ. I'm dead to the I'm dead to the attitude that I used to have before. I'm dead to the stuff that takes me off point with Jesus. I'm dead with being someone that is not what Christ is wanting to use in this world to reach others with His love and His grace. I'm dead to voicing my opinion all the time. I'm dead to all these things. But I'm alive with Christ. For you have died and your life now is hidden with Christ in God. You're dead to yourself. That's why that whole denying thing is so important. It's critically important on a daily basis. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about any single one of us sitting in here. It is about God. It's about Jesus. That is so simple things that we talk about on a daily... We talk about it from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. I'm not preaching at you. I'm passionate about it. Because I want to tell you something. It is so easy. You know how easy it is to get diverted? But the concept that Paul is saying here, you're dead to that stuff. You're dead to having these attitudes towards other people. You're dead to this, this, this stuff that is just taking you off point. It's not the life that God has given you, or that God, that God has given you in Christ in Him. That's not the life. You're dead to that. Life is completely different. For you have died. Verse 51, or verse 5 says this, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. All those things that can, can, can cloud or clothe us that takes us off point. Paul is saying you gotta bring, you gotta kill it. 
you got to kill it. And I think that's a daily basis, guys. I think it's a constant struggle, as we talked about, being human, living in the flesh. That's a constant thing where we're constantly saying, no, that's not me. No, that's not me anymore. No, that's not me anymore. The problem is, is when we date Christ and we flirt around with those things, we keep them alive. We keep them kind of right there because it's like, you know what, I, I you know, I... I, yes, I'm probably like 75% Jesus, but I still have about 25% sitting over here that every now and then I like to come over here and just kind of dip into just a little bit. Why? Because I think it's joy. I think it brings me joy. Problem is, when we do that, what does it bring? It doesn't bring joy. It never brings joy, but somehow we become so deceived and so locked in that it's going to bring us joy. Paul says, you got to put that stuff to death. You've got to Rid yourself of those things and fill your minds with, with, with Christ and the things above. Put to death those things because God wants to give you more joy than you can ever imagine and it's ever going to come from those things. Secondly, put to death the things that hurt God. The things that you tap into, the things that we, that we allow to kind of come into our life, that human nature kind of rise up and take over, those are the things that God hates. God doesn't like those things. Those are the things God hates. Verses 5 and 6, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Put to death the things that hurt the heart of God. And the other thing is this. Don't live... In verse 7, in these you once walked when you were living in them. The point is, don't live like the people you are no longer. Think about it. Don't live like the person that you're no longer that person. God has saved you. God has delivered you. God has, has brought you out of that. And Paul says, why do you want to live like someone that you're no longer? Why do you want to go back to something like that? Don't become, don't, don't be something that you're not. The third question, very quickly here, is this. If the worship team wants to come back, I'm going to wrap up very quickly with this third point, And that is this. How do I get rid of the old and put on the new that Paul talks about? And in verses 9 and 10, he says this. A couple of ways, don't lie to one another. Seeing that you put on the, put, have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. A uh, couple of things here real quick. Stop thinking like you used to. There's times where we just have to, you have to look at what you used to think and realize your thinking was off. Your thinking was completely off. Paul talks about this in Romans 12. Be, you know, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Guys, this whole thing is a mind game is what it is. All Satan has, that's all he wants to do to you. You may not go off the deep end or whatever, you may, but it always starts with that mind, that, that, that mind game. It always starts with that, that twisting, that deception, just like he did with Eve. And we read about it in James, where we start to entertain, then we're drug off, we're enticed, we're drug off, we fall to it, and then, and then we start reaping the negative implications of that action. Don't think like you used to. Realize your thinking was flawed. We've got to consider ourselves in a new way. The second way is this, stop believing like you used to. What are you doing with your thoughts? How do you act upon these thoughts? Verse 11 says this, For here there is no Greek or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all in all. You know what that really means? 
When he says that and he goes through this, no Greek, no Jew, uncircumcised, circumcised, uh, barbarian, all this, you know what it really means? It means these people are brand new people. There's no, this identity is gone. How many of us at times, and you've heard it before, I've heard it, some of us have used it to, to identify ourselves, where we'll say this. Please bear with me because that's just who I am. Really? Please bear with me as I rip you a new one. That's just who I am. Please bear with me as I stick my f- down your throat. Because that's just who I am. And by the way, would you like to come with me to church on Sunday? We can talk about Jesus. Oh, by the way, I'm passionate about Jesus. But I'm going to let you know where you fall on this. I'm going to rip you apart with my tongue and my words. But I'm passionate about Jesus. Paul's saying, that doesn't get, that doesn't, that doesn't hold water. That doesn't hold weight. That doesn't hold anything. You are a new person. You, you're, you're new. You're, you're not Greek. You're not Jew. Remember, those were two huge, Jews were like the ultimate, right? Because God chose the Jews to bring the plan of salvation through. So to them, that was all. And, and, and then when, 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 when God used Paul to speak to the Gentiles, anybody that's non-Jew, there was kind of a friction there at first. And then the early church said, okay, we got, we can't do this, man. We gotta let, we gotta let God's Holy Spirit's moving, man. We've gotta get on board with this. And that's what they did. That was like the first church council in a sense. What do we do with these Gentiles that are coming in and getting saved? We've got to take them in. Read about it in Acts. But what they're saying is this. It's no longer about Jews, Greeks, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythians, whatever. It's not about nationalities. It's not about any of these things. It's not about personalities. It's not about all this. It's not about my old self. It's not about, well, you should accept me for who I am and all this other stuff. It's not about that whatsoever. You are a new creation. We're all in this, we're all in this together. We are a new creation. So, as I bring this all together... Are we in a spot, are you in a spot where your mind is set and your heart is set on Christ and the things above? So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about reaching out, about being part of third day farming, about being a part of Sierra Leone, about being a part of the clothing swap, about being a part of whatever it is that we're doing, whatever it is that we're doing, serving in the kids ministry, serving in the youth student ministry, Helping out in the cafe. Do, I, whatever. That, those are things that just happen here. But I'm talking about just in general. When God comes to you, the Holy Spirit comes to you, is your heart and your mind set? Are you in a place to where you can respond and say, I believe this is where God is leading me and I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. Or is your mind and your heart set in a place to where you can give a long list of why you can't participate. And truth be known, you really don't want to participate because you're really not in the mood to do it because your, your, your heart and your mind is completely off. It's not set on Christ and the things above. It's completely off. You're deceived. Satan has you in a spot where you're, you're deceived. You're, 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 you're not happy. You're disgruntled. Everything's wrong. Everybody else is wrong. All these other things. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just grab a hold of each and every one of us. And today might be the day, if, if we're off, that, that, and challenge us to just come to this conclusion again that says, I'm in Christ. I'm a child of God. It's not about me any longer. It's about Jesus. And my heart and my mind is set on God.
when the Spirit moves, I move. When the Spirit leads, I follow. And on a daily basis, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to carry my cross. And I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I pray that that, I pray that that would all be our intent. And not just our intent, but what we're actually doing. We are following. And we're mobilized as the, as the hands and feet of Jesus. Please, why don't you please stand? I want to close with a word of prayer. Just ask God's presence, His Spirit to, to lead us right now. Father, I, I just, as always, give you thanks for your word. I give you thanks that you just didn't create us and then just kind of put everything in motion and kind of step back and, you know, we're left to figure it out. But Father, you gave us your written word. You reveal yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ. But you also reveal yourself to us through your word. And as we study your word, as we as we lean in, we, we absorb it. Father, we're, we're challenged. You challenge us. The spirit, your spirit challenges us. I pray, Father, that as your spirit challenges us, that we would not grieve him, but instead we would accept it. Him. And that we would surrender. And that we would live in humble submission. Humble humility to you. I pray, Father, that, that this morning lives would be touched and changed here. That hard hearts would be melted away. And instead of being hard, they would be set on you and the things above. I pray that minds would be changed, that paradigms would be shifted. I pray that that, that, that this, this focus on ourselves would be just eradicated, Father. That we would focus, place our minds on you and on the things above and realize that we live in a temporary condition, on a temporary earth that's going to be all made new one of these days. So, Father, I pray that instead of finding hardness in this room right now, that you would find a sense of humbleness and willingness to follow you. And I pray that our worship would just reflect that here in the next few moments, that we would sing to you, but our hearts would be uh, just crying out to you. And we would respond the way you would want us to respond. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name, that we pray these things. Amen.